Hey, this is Nate. And this is Shelly. And together we are here today. Um, we're we're finally back. <laughs> it's uh, I can't <laughs> actually remember the last time we had one of these. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, a while but, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, but we are really excited to have Danielle Barron on today. So uh, Danielle, just go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit about your business. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Danielle Barron, and I own um, Beyond Balance Bodywork. Um, it is a um, holistic massage business um, that is, well, it started off with massage and now we're adding, um, you know, some more modalities like um, energy, Reiki, healing, and um, some more, hopefully some upcoming services um, that should include some sound healing and um, some brain spotting, um, hopefully within the next year or so. But the whole idea is to have different um ways to heal mind, body, and spirit. So that's kind of the idea. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, I, uh, I am also, you know, a client of Danielle's on the uh, massage therapist side and can definitely say, um, if any of you need one <laughs> that are listening in, please, please, please give her a call. Um, but Danielle, I'm just kind of curious. I haven't, we haven't actually, um, talked about any other stuff before. Mm -hmm. So, um, Reiki is something I'm, vaguely familiar with like as in my wife has told me that you do it <laughs> um, but I'm not 100% sure on what that is can you go in a little bit of detail about like what Reiki is yeah yeah so so Reiki is so everybody has an an energy field everything uh everything has energy so um basically by utilizing that energy we can direct it in the body to facilitate healing um, so, you know, when we've got these chakras throughout the body, we can, um, help direct the energy throughout the body to, you know, heal whatever it is that you're, you know, whatever it is that you're looking to heal. So, you know, say you're, um, coming in with uh, a migraine, for instance, and your neck or your skull may be too sensitive to touch um, with too much pressure or anything like that, we might be able to use um, some Reiki energy to help decrease the migraine pain. That could be a way to use, to, to use that energy, um, for an example. Gotcha. Because I, I do remember also seeing something similar on like a Netflix documentary. And again, I could be way in left field. Like I am not experienced at all in this. You're the, you're the expert. Um, but they they talked about how like if you had cancer, um, one of the things that is really powerful for your mind is to imagine like your white blood cells are little fish and they will like in imagining that the cancer is their food. And so they'll go like eat it. And I think during the documentary, they mentioned like this actually works like really well to like channel your mind and your energy toward that like spot to make sure that like your body is reacting appropriately. Is that kind of similar to that or? Well, I mean, the mind is very powerful in that sense. I mean, there is, there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot to be said about, about your mindset. I mean, they talk um, about, you know, laughter and, you know, being healing and, whether the placebo effect has a lot to do with it and your mm -hmm. belief system and, you know, do you believe it's going to work? Is that going to have something to do with it? Yeah, gotcha. that does have something to do with it. Um, but, you know, the, the holistic practices like, you know, Reiki, uh, acupuncture, cupping, you know, modalities mm -hmm. like that, that have been around for thousands and thousands of years, um, they were going, they were 
being used before pharmaceutical medicines came into mm-hmm. play and have been used with success. So there is something to it, you know, yeah. um, you can feel that energy moving through your body, you know, regardless, um, you know, if you rub your hands together and then you pull them apart slowly, you can feel that energy moving. Mm-hmm. That is Reiki energy, you know, so having a practitioner who is attuned to that help direct it through your body to facilitate healing in some form or fashion, depending on what your goal is, um, can be, can be very helpful. So Um, I have a question for you, Danielle. Um, so as you, and just, just to let our audience know a little bit more of how this works and everything. Um, and, and so to help you and help them, um, is it do you use any tools with it or do you just use your hands um you know what does the process look like real briefly to like your you know to other people um and that sort of thing i i remember i i remember like my son being able to i think he's like venturing into this kind of um work if you will he's a he's a light uh light walker or something like that a light worker yeah light worker yeah 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 and he's he's actually um has a as a teacher he's in class right now i guess um oh, he's a reiki teacher um a light he's with a light worker teaching um that's all i know so don't i mean me and nate are really not very knowledgeable in this so i'm just this whatever i know but yeah he, they could be specialized in reiki but okay what i notice him doing is this is why i'm getting to is what i notice him doing is like there are times when he's just amazed by the energy that goes, that he can see between, yep. he can see this energy and, and he's like, wow, I can just see the energy in like a rock, for instance, or like a certain stone or a certain gemstone. And I'm, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's pretty neat. So, I mean, is that kind of like what you can do too? Is that how you, do you see the energy or do you feel it or do different Reiki teachers feel and see it, you know? Yes, um, everybody has different um, abilities that they um, uh, that they are born with, and and then you can choose to develop others. For me personally, I have more of a sensing, a feeling, an intuition. I don't necessarily uh, see as much. Like I don't, I don't really see your aura colors mm-hmm. or, or things like that. I might see uh, like a, like kind of a shadow around your body or an object or, or something like that, or a little bit of a vibration or a shadow or something, but I'm not going to look around your body and be like, Oh, you have a yellow aura. Yeah. Now, some people can see that absolutely 100% oh. and it's real. Um, but I can, when you're laying on the table, I can feel in your, I can feel in your body where your body needs work. I don't know how I I can't describe to you how I know that, (laughs) but I just know it. My body just knows where you need work. I can sense where there's tension. I can sense where there's pain. I, can just intuitively know um there is there's a sixth sense about it um i can feel vibrations in my hands um 
heat and redness come into my fingers. Um, mm-hmm. I've had clients tell me that they can feel sensations coming from my body into theirs. Wow. Um, so there's a transfer that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to your question, um, traditionally, Reiki is a non-touch um, practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And generally, there will be uh, or or it will be gentle hand placements, you know, above the chakras um, in the body. So, but because I am already in a in a touch service, um, I found a way to be able to combine the two services so that a client doesn't have to choose between being touched and not being touched. Um, because you know, when someone's coming in to see me, they find so much value in having a massage um, and enjoying the the service that I provide to them already that they don't want to sacrifice that to lie on the table and have energy work done. So I can give them, you know, the, I can give them Reiki while having a massage. We just combine it and change it slightly. It doesn't mean that they're getting any less from one or the other. We're just altering it slightly so that they can receive both at the same time. And what I have found personally for myself um, is that they uh, that they are enjoying that energy transfer through the touch, and that they that they almost feel more of a connection with me anyhow because my skin is in contact with theirs already. So it's almost a little bit more. Um, it almost feels more nurturing, if that makes sense, um, versus there being a slight um, distance between my hand and their body. Now, if there's a client that comes in and they are not necessarily wanting that touch, like some people don't like to be touched at all, then mm-hmm. the option to have you know, a non-touch service where they're clothed and they lie on the table and have a completely traditional Reiki session, absolutely 100% we can do that. That's just not as common for my client base. I see. Nice. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. You answered my question and some. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I I can definitely tell from personal experience um, if I have any little hidden knots or anything. um, Danielle does a fantastic job of finding them. So I I guess I didn't realize that it was also coming from that as well. (laughs) Instead of, you know, the bulging mass of muscle that's like sticking out and hurting. Oh, well, so uh, let's get back a little bit on track to the theme of the podcast here. But Danielle, yeah. thank you so much for really enlightening us. Um, I think I speak for both of us when we say I say that we're both novice in this area. But um, as someone who is a client can definitely understand and really see how that works and how that practices out and, you know, during the massages and everything like that. But um, so the reason we brought you on today is just to kind of discuss a little bit on the business side about really, if you had anything that like would you would consider one of your biggest failures that you've kind of really learned from and are starting to put into practice now? Yeah, you know, so I, I actually kind of had a hard time landing on which failure I wanted to discuss. Many, many, <laughs> many, many people. <laughs> we have a lot of that going on. <laughs> yes. And so I think I, I what I landed on was, um, was price increases. Um, I think that was the one I wanted to discuss the most because that that was what I I feel like I've gotten the best handle on 
um, most recently. Okay. Um, and so going from, um, so I've been a, I've been a massage therapist for 10 years. Um, and I've worked as an employee and an independent contractor. I've had side gigs and now officially having my own business and working exclusively only for myself. That has been many different versions of, you know, um, pricing, obviously, mm -hmm. and clients have been with me through all of those changes. So having to bring those clients through all of those changes has been um, unconventional and mm -hmm. also very challenging um, to know how to do it properly, because there isn't exactly a rule book on Google on how to um, ethically make business changes. Um, in that manner. So doing it in a way that is ethical and fair um, for both myself and the client is um, not set in stone. It's very, very gray. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that my biggest issue in the beginning was knowing how to set my pricing because for me, um, doing this work is what I believe I'm meant to do. Um, you know, and I'm and I'm blessed and very grateful to have found it finally. But that also puts me at a slight disadvantage because I would, I would do it for free. I don't mm -hmm. like charging um, for what I do because I enjoy it so much. But obviously, we have bills to pay, so you have to charge, and you have to charge your worth. Um, and increasing prices is hard to do. Um, you don't necessarily want to continuously increase pricing, um, you know, especially when, you know, some people struggle and we're in, you know, the economy is not doing that great and, you know, COVID happens and people are losing jobs and whatnot, and you still have to increase prices. Right. So in the beginning, I did not increase my prices enough. Um, I would go a year, two years, something like that, not increasing anything out of fear of losing clients. Um, and failing the business and, and all of that. And that mm -hmm. really, I think, what started to hurt me in the beginning, instead of increasing pricing um, at a at a slow, consistent rate. So after not increasing for, you know, two years or something, I would then have to do a sizable increase to stay at a competitive place with my peers. Right. So then, so, I mean, especially with yours, because I know that um, like this is something that hairstylists go through as well, where it's a very personal connection that you're, but like, I, I consider you a friend of mine, you know, so yes. like in increasing prices in that context, I can definitely understand how that would be incredibly difficult and put a lot of pressure on you to make sure that you're able to eat <laughs> and live while also providing that service at a rate that others can afford. So really what kind of goes into that thought process? Like, do you kind of evaluate the last year or are you on a monthly basis with it? Like, how does that go into it? Well, first I look at, I look at my competitors. Um, I look at what they do for pricing. I look at what they offer for their services. Um, I look at whether or not they are upcharging for um, additional services. Like if they, do they, you know, do add-ons, that kind of thing. Are they doing memberships? Like how, what's their price breakdown for how they do their, their price? Well, pricing structure basically is how I want to how I want to say it, um, uh, who, what kind of demographic are they serving? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, um, 
Well, that's pretty much the biggest part. And then how often are they increasing their pricing? So I go based on that. And then I try to stay as comfortable as possible with it. So I don't want to be too, I don't want to put my pricing too high or too low, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, with my peers to a point where people look at my pricing and go, oh, well, she's got Groupon pricing. So she obviously doesn't think she's good enough to have a a higher price. Mm -hmm. You know, the value needs to be appropriate to my service. Um, And also I don't want to, you know, put my prices so high that I can't reach, you know, a large amount of people. I don't want to, you know, close the close the door of opportunity on myself. I'd like to be able to service as many, um, as many clients as possible. Um, so that's kind of the biggest way that I look at it. And I, and I like to keep my pricing structure as, as simple as possible without making a client feel like I'm trying to upcharge them for a lot of things. I want them to feel like they're coming to me to receive healing and care from me. Not, she just wants to sell me things. Right. Right. Well, I feel like this is something that a lot of business owners, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Shelly, like this is something that you probably go through on a pretty consistent basis as well with the services we provide. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, you have to try to, you have to try to say, stay competitive, but you also have to pay your bills. So, I mean, it's like, um, yeah, absolutely. It's something that we, we are always evaluating as a um, as a digital marketer, but um, we also see um, industries like yours, Danielle, that also is like, well, what should I be charging? How how should I be doing this? Who you know, in in what audience you know are we looking at to? Because like if you're if you're serving a certain audience or you're in a certain place that does that can't pay those prices, and you're trying to get and market out to them and trying to get them to pay those prices. Um, you have to do more research, you know, maybe um, it, there's just a lot of work behind, you know, where you want to, um, you know, where you want to get that business from. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we see, yeah, we see it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Well, for those out there listening, like it sounds like, you know, both Danielle and Shelly have some excellent advice to give on this topic. I mean, personally, I don't because <laughs> uh, I've never had to charge someone um, in terms of like making sure that I'm getting, you know, market value for my work. But I really do think that especially like on service industry side and for, you know, private businesses or, you know, owned businesses like small businesses, this is something that really can play a factor in the success or, you know, failure of said business. So, um, you know, Danielle, thank you so much for providing insights on that. So I guess really what's the biggest lesson you've learned throughout your time, just kind of evaluating. uh, It sounds like you evaluate competitors a lot in terms of pricing. It sounds like you evaluate the services provided in pricing. So really what, what lessons have you learned and how did you kind of find that sweet spot that you're in now? Well, I, I feel that you, you can, you can be understanding to, to the client's needs as far as their ability to keep up with, you know, your increases. But the biggest lesson as far as my, as far as I'm concerned is, you know, from the get-go, you increase your pricing at a slow, consistent rate. That way it feels minimal to the client and they understand because they understand that I have to pay my bills and they know that I have value. 
and they care about me because if they come to see me regularly, I mean, you know, you said it yourself, you consider me a friend and you are a valued client of mine. So it's a mutual respect and it's a mutual care. So the clients that continue to come back have a mutual respect with me. So I have to remember as a human being, not just a business owner, that I have to take care of myself and the clients will take care of me as I take care of them. So if I increase my pricing by a minimal $5 every year, that's still less than most people are increasing. And people are barely going to notice that little bit of an increase instead of every three years increasing 15 to $20 or something like that. I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there, right? right? But if I waited three years and increased that larger amount, I might lose five clients because they go, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't pay that big jump. But mm-hmm. if every, you know, every year I increase by $5, they're going to continue to pay that increase because that's still less than inflation. Right. And it's, and it's like you're doing, and that increase is going monthly. So like, you know, for example, I have a monthly massage set up with you. So the $5 is going, that's monthly. So that's an additional, however much $60 a year. That's easily, I mean, we're easily able to budget that out because it is a need, but if you're right, if you're jumping, Oh, well, we're going to go $30 extra a month. That's, that's a little bit more difficult, <laughs> you know? So I definitely think that keeping the context of, Hey, how often are these how often are people really having the service done? What's something that, you know, they can manage on a monthly basis or, you know, bi-weekly. Like I know that many people probably even have weekly massages scheduled. So, uh, you know, th- that that's some awesome context that you provided there. Cause it's like, yeah, it is incremental increase might be the, the answer for a lot of people. Right. I mean, it's very, it is very minimal because I mean, if I increase on an annual basis and it's, per session, you know, that I can, I'm telling you right now that $5 does not cover the cost of the amount of increases that I take on, on my things, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, if I increased my pricing to actually cover the amount of increases that I'm paying as a business owner, Mm -hmm. I would lose many more clients. So I eat a lot more costs than the client does, but the client is still receiving the same, if not better value as time goes on, because I'm still continuing to receive education to continue keeping my license valid because I have to. I'm still continuing to provide the service that I provide because just time and service, you know, you become, you just get better over time, you know, obviously, Um, you know, and because I care about what I do. (laughs) So obviously (laughs) I'm going to, you know, if I care about what I do, then you're going to receive the best possible service that I can provide. So, you know, that's, that's what my value is to you. So if that is worth it to you, then you'll pay it and you'll continue to come. And if not, I can refer you to somebody else and I wish you the best of luck, you know, and then you'll open up space for someone else who wants to see me. Right. Nope. That makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, Danielle, honestly, it's been a pleasure having you on here. Um, I think that this has provided a lot of fantastic insight into 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Shelly, but I think this is a brand new one. I don't know if we've handled or tackled um, pricing increases as part of the podcast before. I think that that's a unique and um, awesome perspective that I, I personally never really considered until I married a hairstylist. <laughs> um, so, you know, like that's something that I think comes into play in a way that not many people might consider before starting their own business. So um, I just do have one last thing for you, Danielle. Um, do you have any like words of encouragement or things to share for people that might be kind of just starting off in their business or really just in a similar situation as you? You know, if you, you're, you're either one kind of person, you are either an employee or an employer. And if you know, you're not happy being an employee, do the scary thing and be an employer and just do it because it's going to be scary anyway. I mean, this is, this is my first time being a guest on a podcast and despite it not being scary, it was scary anyway. And I did it and I love it and just keep doing it because I mean, going out on my own is scary all the time, but I, it is the happiest and best decision I've ever made. And I will never, ever, ever regret starting my own business. And it is like the, I mean, yeah, the best decision I ever made. I mean, my business is, you know, it's my baby. So, I mean, yeah, if anybody's thinking about doing it, I mean, find the thing, find the thing that makes you the happiest in the world and find a way to monetize that. Yeah. Yes. I, I would agree with that hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah. That's, I love, I love talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't pay the bills exactly, but you know, it's, it's not bad. It can. It can all right well danielle thank you so much for being on it's been an absolute pleasure and uh for the record you did a fantastic job so you know we really appreciate having you on and uh yay yes good job i agree i agree Yeah. So for our listeners out there, um, we're um, obviously this is one of our uh, more recent podcasts after a long layover. So um, we're starting to kind of get back into things and really just kind of coming up with some new ideas. So we may be interviewing just kind of how we've done for the past couple of years, but we also are going to kind of be breaking down some of our old podcasts going to like maybe today, just going into what like how to really structure and plan out your increases in price um, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we're really just going to be doing some deep dives into what we've kind of discussed as well as some new topics and some new uh, social media techniques. So, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for tuning back in. Um, (laughs) Sorry for the uh, hiatus there, but uh, we'll be hopefully trying to get at least one podcast a month out for uh, the foreseeable future. So um, we're uh, grateful for you tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. Thank you, everybody.